You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins, joined by Mike Chappell, and we're here today to discuss the Colts' overtime win in Denver. It was not pretty, but a win is a win is a win. Um, We're going to recap this defensive battle, discuss takeaways from the game, and check in on the AFC South division race. Before we get started, Mike, how are you doing? How much sleep did you get last night? I'll ask you that. Probably about five hours. I got to bed about 3.30, and I didn't set my alarm, and I woke up at 8.30. My body was just ready to go, so a little fuzzy, but we'll we'll, uh, soldier through. That's right. Well, Mike, uh, definitely getting the post-game stories up very late after this overtime contest. You were better than a lot of the Denver fans who left before overtime even started. Uh, How hard, how strange was that? It's a work day, Mike. They got to get up and they got stuff to do the next morning. But but you'd you'd already, you know, gone through four quarters of it. I mean, just get, you know, it's a 10-minute overtime. So just get it out, but... I tell you, that shows you the angst in Denver to where they're fed up with the coach, they're fed up with the quarterback that they just paid a quarter of a billion dollars for. Uh, Good luck out in Denver. Yeah, yeah, they're having a tough time. Uh, No matter how tough things got in Indy, I know Colts Nation would never. We'd stick around through the end. But let's go ahead. Sure we would. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get to this game here. The 1-2-1 Colts visiting the 2-2 Denver Broncos for a Week 5 Thursday night matchup. Both teams coming off division losses heading into this game. Colts without some significant players, including running back Jonathan Taylor, star linebacker Shaq Leonard, safety Julian Blackman, and defensive lineman Tyquan Lewis. And then they would lose their other running back, Naheem Hines, on the first drive of the game. Third and seven, Ryan dumps the ball off to Hines, who spins inside, just trying to make a move to pick up the first down. He gets blown up after the play. Couldn't even stand on his own wobbly legs. Mike, a really scary moment for Naeem Hines. We've seen this two or three times this year uh, with Tua. Remember where he, you get the, the head hits the ground and the player gets up, is helped up, and then he just wobbles. And if not for a couple of his offensive linemen, Naeem would have gone down. Uh, he, he concussion. He's in protocol. And we got just a quick update since we're we're on it. Talked to Frank Reich today, and he said that he that he talked to Naheem at halftime. Naheem wanted to play. He wanted to go back at the game. He said he felt fine. He, he he said he apologized for getting for getting the concussion. He said, I, you know, I've been hit a lot harder during that in my career, but that's that, that was never going to happen. He's in protocol, but. It just shows you the kind of player and competitor that Naheem Hines is. Yeah, and this not only a scary moment for Hines, concussions, you know, always a concerning thing to deal with, especially when you get the visual of a player not being able to stand up, legs given out on him, got the baby giraffe legs out there. But this had to have a big impact on the Colts' offensive game plan. They went to Hines for the first three plays of the game. Uh, I'm sure he was going to carry a large load for this team. And then just like that, no Jonathan Taylor, no Naheem Hines, um, and the Colts had to carry on with their backup running backs. All right, after the three and out, 
Matt Hawk's punt travels just 36 yards, giving Denver good field position. The drive starts at the Broncos 36, and Russell Wilson and company work their way down the field. But after a first and 10 at the Colts 13, Indy clamps down and forces a field goal. It's three to nothing early. All right, with no Heinz or Taylor, the tur- Colts turn to Deion Jackson, and he was ready. First play of that next drive, Jackson takes a Matt Ryan pass and picks up 21 yards. Next play, he gains five yards on the ground, and the Colts are in Broncos territory. But on second down, the defensive tackle beats Ryan Kelly, gets to Matty Ice, killing the drive. Mike, I'm sure Matt Ryan is going to need a nice bath after this one. It was the first of six sacks on the night. He faced constant pressure with a reshuffled offensive line. They put the third-round rookie uh, Bernard Ryman at left tackle. They moved Matt Pryor from left tackle to right tackle. And the $70 million man, Braden Smith, moved from right tackle to right guard. I thought it was an interesting choice to completely reshuffle the offensive line on a short week. What about you, Mike? We saw this snippets of this during training camp of two or three days where they they went with this configuration. And I, I, I guess what it showed you is they know the offensive line is broken and they're trying to fix it somehow. They didn't practice it leading up to the game. They had a walkthrough. So normally when you'd make these moves, like maybe this week to where you've got a little extra time and a full week to make the change and get used to it. But they, it's obvious they said, you know, this isn't working. Let's try something. I Maybe they decided that Braden Smith is not playing well at right tackle. It seems to me like it would have made more sense to leave Braden at right tackle and put Pryor at right guard. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that was uh, lobbying, I guess, for Bernard Ryman to play and because the idea that, hey, let the kid make mistakes on the on the fly. And he, he made some mistakes. What was it? Four penalties, one declined, uh, three holding, one declined. So it but but that's where they are. And to think that they're in game five and they don't trust their offensive line, it's kind of scary. It's very scary, and Ryman would have a tough game in this one. We'll see what combination they roll out there next game. Uh, Denver's drive after the punt starts at the 14-yard line, and it ends at the 10 after Yannick Ngakwe gets to Wilson on 3rd and 10 for his second sack of the season. Broncos punt, fair caught by Isaiah Rogers at Indy's 40. But the Colts can't take advantage of the field position and go 3 and out. Guess what? The Broncos struggling as well. They matched them with another three and out of their own. Indy now on their fourth drive, and it's still just the first quarter of the ball game. A couple Philip Lindsay runs sets up a third and two at their 40. And then Ryan finds a rookie Jelani Woods for 12 yards and a first down. But wait a minute, a holding call on Ryman brings it back. And on third and 12, Matt Pryor completely whiffs on Bradley Chubb, who takes down Ryan. Second sack on Ryan, and it comes after the second holding call on Ryman. Uh, His first penalty was declined. The Colts at this point have just one first down on four drives. And between both teams, it was the fourth consecutive three and out. Mike, this was an ugly offensive affair. It's just, and again, we'll be beating the dead dead Colts on this, but... 
it's the offensive line. These negative plays are just putting them behind the eight points. It's hard enough to sustain drives, but holding penalties and sacks and, and minus rushes. It, and they had a couple of drop passes, I thought. You know, drop passes, contested, you know, passes, whatever you want to call it. But it was a punt fest and a field goal fest. And Pat McAfee had to love it. But, you know, it was just an eyesore of a game offensively. And you, you, these are one of those games, like I wrote about, you just have to find a way, and we'll get to it. They somehow found a way. They sure did. But right now, it's the second quarter. Denver's drive starts at their 34 and Wilson's picking his way down the field. A false start puts him in a first and 15 at Indy's 36. The Colts would hold and force another field goal. McManus is good from 44 yards, yards out, and the Broncos extend their lead to six. Now it's time for the Colts' offense to wake up. Matt Ryan hits Michael Pittman Jr. for 15 yards on third and three. A couple plays later, Ryman puts him in a second 18 after another holding call. But the play after, Alec Pierce makes a catch streaking across the field. He has the ball punched out from behind. It rolls forward and right to Paris Campbell. Lucky bounce for the Colts to not only recover the ball, but the extra yardage actually gave them a first down on the play. Two plays later now, um, or, or excuse me, over the next two plays, the Colts gain 19 yards on a couple Philip Lindsay rushes. First and 10 at Denver's 24. Deion Jackson, stuffed for no gain. Second down. Ryan has time in the pocket. Scanning, scanning, throws right to the safety. Denver returns the interception to the 38-yard line. Ryan clearly did not even see the defensive back, who was just reading his eyes on that play. Turnover takes potential points off of the board. Broncos now with a chance to go up two scores, which the way this game has gone would make it feel like it's pretty much putting the game away. But a ticky-tack pass interference call on Rodney McLeod gives Denver a first down at Indy's 48. But a couple plays later, the Broncos get called for a holding of their own, and the Colts' D would force another punt. 3.48 to go in the half. The Colts' drive starts at their 15. First play, Ryan goes to Pittman, 10 yards. A few plays later, Colts face third and eight. Ryan completes it to Pierce, who makes a grab at the sticks, is pushed back. The referee originally marked it a yard short. Colts challenge, and it's overturned. Big call keeps the drive alive. Lindsey runs for seven in a first down, and we hit the two-minute warning. Second down, Bernard Ryman again called for a false start, backing them up five yards. But Ryan would find Pittman for 19 yards, Colts in Denver territory. A couple incompletions sets up a third and 10 now. Ryan drops back, has time, finds Doolin for 18. Next play, he connects with Pittman for 11. The Colts are 15 yards away from the end zone with 49 seconds in the half. First down, Ryman is whooped by Chubb. And Quentin Nelson, you never see this, he's blown up by a blitzing linebacker, knocked to the ground. Matt Ryan tries to spin out of the pocket, but it's chased down by that linebacker and... Of course, he fumbles, but it's recovered by the Colts. A loss of 17 sets up second and 28. After a timeout, the Colts try to recover from the sack, but they can't handle a stunt. A rusher gets right in Ryan's face, and he just has to take another sack. A loss of 10 more. Colts go from a first down at the 15 to third down at the 43. And Indy takes their last timeout. 
Need some yards here for the field goal. Ryan completes to Pierce, who's pushed out of bounds to stop the clock uh, at the 33. And that will set up a 52-yard Chase McLaughlin field goal. And it's right down the middle. His longest field goal of the year gets the Colts on the board, 6-3 to three at the half. Mike, as poor as the Colts played, getting points before the half was huge. Yeah, because Denver gets the ball to start the second half. So it, it, it's it's one of those where you, you're you looking and, and you're hanging around and you're hanging around, and Denver's doing nothing to put you away. You just had a feeling of, if the defense doesn't keep them out of the end zone, if Denver scores a touchdown, the game's probably over. Because like you mentioned, the offense just isn't showing signs that it can get there. So uh, points at the end of the half were huge. And game ball to Chase McLaughlin, I mean, holy smokes, four field goals and, and what, 48, 51, and 53, whatever, it was 52. So had he not been – I tweeted out, it reminded me of – the 15 to six win by the Colts in Baltimore in the playoffs in 06, you know, not the same level of play, but there, when things aren't going well, the the kick you've got to have your kicker converting, and that, and that's what happened. Absolutely, uh, I will note the good news on the drive is of course the Colts scored. The bad news: Ryan Kelly was injured during that two minute drill. He would leave the game with a hip injury and not return, putting Danny Pinter. In at center, uh, Pinter, of course, started the season at right guard, has been benched the last couple of the games. Colts now have just one offensive lineman in his original spot, and that's Quentin Nelson at left guard. But we're moving on to the third quarter, 6-3. to three. Denver gets the ball to start the half. After a quick first down, DeForest Buckner gets to Wilson on second and 10. and knocks the ball out, Wilson's able to jump back onto it, but the and then the Broncos are stopped on third and long and have to punt it away. Really a good game from Buckner, who'd been quiet at times this season. The Colts with a chance now to take the lead. Um, They have a third and three at their 41. Ryan hangs in the pocket with bodies around him. There's a pass over the middle as he's getting hit, and somehow Pierce hauls it in with a defender all over him. Uh, The Ryan to Pierce connection really seems to be heating up the last couple of games. Colts get a first down um, on the next play with a 13-yard Deion Jackson run, setting them up at Denver's 31. But they would fail to gain another yard. Third and 11, Ryan just has to throw it away, setting up a second consecutive 50-plus-yard field goal for McLaughlin. This one from 51, and this one right down the middle. McLaughlin's leg ties things up at six. Mike, we just talked about him, but let's talk about it again because the Colts have to be happy with their decision to move on from Blankenship and bring in McLaughlin. If I'm not mistaken, McLaughlin's now 9 of 11 on 50-yarders in his career. Now, 40 to 49 we've talked about, not so good. But like Frank Reich mentioned, he just right down the middle. There wasn't any, you know, boy, that, you know, body, body, you know, leaning, body English, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, again, you, you hate to have your star of the game be your field goal kicker, offensively, but you've got to have, you know, just think if they where they'd be if if their previous kicker knocks down a forty-two yarder in overtime at Houston. 
So it, it's, it's whenever it's like this and the offense is really having issues, fits and starts, you, you got to have your, your field goal kicker up, be able to clean up the mess. And he sure was in this game. Broncos now looking to answer. Wilson goes deep on second and eight. Safety Rodney Thomas is right there, but it gets taken out by the referee. Cortland Sutton comes down with it for a gain of 51. Broncos ball at Indies 22. I was ripping my hair out during this play. Mike, have you ever seen an official so blatantly interfere with a play? Normally, when you see this, it's like he gets in the way of a linebacker closer to the line of scrimmage where there's more congestion. But that was a nice pick job by him because – I don't, know, I don't know if Rodney Thomas would have intercepted it. He certainly would have knocked it down. And he was just taken out by it. And I thought, here we go. You know, what things can go wrong now? And fortunately, they recovered from it. Yeah, big break from the Broncos. But fair or not, the Colts have to move on. Denver gets to the nine after a first down on the ground. But then that indie defense said enough of this. Melvin Gordon stuffed from a, for a one-yard loss on first down, second down. Ngakwe and Buckner converge on Wilson for the sack. Third and goal now from the 16. Wilson can't find any wide receivers and just throws it out of the back of the end zone. That brings up a 34-yard field goal attempt, and it's swatted down by Big Grover Stewart. Denver comes away with nothing, and the Colts take over at the 19. Indy now looking to score on a third consecutive drive. Screen pass to Deion Jackson on second and 10 loses five yards. On third and 15, Matt Ryan tries to force it into Pittman, throws it right to the safety again for his second interception of the game. Uh, after a great defensive stop by the Colts, the offense just gives the ball right back. So deflating. Mike, Matt Ryan just flat out doesn't see the safety for both of his interceptions in this game. A 15-year veteran has to see the field better than that. Yeah, and in both cases, I mean, it's a busy pocket, but he has time, and it's just kind of hard. to. It's one of those where you want to stop the game and say, okay, Matt, walk us through what did you see or what did you not see. And as we're noting, he's now got seven interceptions. That's how many Carson Wentz had last year. So, it, 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 again, he, he's showing great, comeback ability you know in in four of these games but in a lot of cases he's he's putting him in those those positions to come back from uh he, he's got to clean this up they're not especially the way the rest of the offense isn't working their quarterback can't keep sabotaging drives with crazy interceptions yeah and, and that's a good point he had time to throw on both of his picks it's almost like oh, wow, the offensive line is actually giving me time here. i got to make something happen with it. And he just forces something that's not there. Regardless, Broncos got the ball at Indy's 22nd, 27. Second and 10, Wilson hits the tight end down the seam for the touchdown. Or is it, wait a minute, Kenny Moore got his hand in there to knock it away at the very last moment. A tremendous play by Kenny Moore to save the touchdown. Moore had a rough start to the season, really played great on Thursday. And like I said, with his uh, one hand alone, saved a score right there. Wilson's third down pass is too far for Jerry Judy, and the Broncos have to kick. This field goal is good from 45 yards, and it's 9-6 to six Denver. Colts offense looking to bounce back. Third and six, Pittman has a first down catch knocked out of his hands. 
and the Colts go three and out. Matt Hawk has to punt again, and it's fair caught by Denver at the 22. Broncos get into Colts territory with a 34-yard screen pass to running back Mike Boone. On third and 13 from the 35, Wilson can't find anyone, gets pressured, and just throws it up for the grabs. The rookie safety Rodney Thomas is right there for an easy interception, and he looks like he what, might go what, all the way. What, what in the heck was Russell Wilson doing on that play? Oh, I, yeah. I have no idea. As bad as bad as the Matt Ryan th- interceptions were, this one was equally bad. It was like the pressure was coming, and he just tossed it out there, hoping that a miracle would happen, really. Um, probably one of the easier interceptions Rodney Thomas is ever going to have in his career. If, if, if all you saw were, were the last, like, four seconds of the play, you would have thought it was a punt. That That's how much there was no one else around him, and he was able to just kind of gather him. So that's got to be one where he's thinking – you know, get here so I can catch it. But, you know, Wilson was backpedaling and somebody was in his face. I don't remember who it was. But you just can't make the, These are a pair of Super Bowl quarterbacks, you know, and, and Pro Bowl quarterbacks, and they're just throwing the ball all over the yard, which is hard to understand. Yeah, and in a, a tight, low-scoring defensive battle, the safety Thomas looks like for a moment he might go all the way with this one. But the turf monster reach up and gets him. He stumbles down at the 39. And oh no, Quiddy Pay is down and grabbing his lower leg. Cart comes out for Pay. Never a good sign. Um, turned it out to be an ankle injury after it looked like it may have been an Achilles originally. He's kind of grabbing the lower back of his, I believe, right leg. Um, we'll get to injuries after uh, the game recap here, but still waiting on full diagnosis for pay. Colts down three. It's early in the fourth quarter. A 12-yard Jackson run on first down gets them across the 50. Lindsey then rushes for seven more, but a holding call and Danny Pinter brings it back. Very next play, Denver called for unnecessary roughness. First down at Denver's 38. Colts go nowhere on a couple Jackson runs. On third and 10, Ryan is sacked by Baron Browning, who just went right around prior. The sack knocks him back out of uh, range for a potential field goal. Colts punt, touchback, net punt of just 25 yards. But the Colts wreck the Broncos' drive with a sack of their own. Second and three, Wilson is blitzed by McLeod. He slips out of that hit, but then is brought down by Ngakwe and Dio Odangbo. Denver then stops short on third and 10, and Colts force another punt. Over eight minutes to go in the game now. Colts down three. Drive starts at their 29. But the offense continues to struggle. Braden Smith called for an eligible man down the field on second and seven, and the Colts can't recover from the penalty. They have to punt for the seventh time in this game, and it's their fifth three and out, not counting the interception, which technically happened on the third play. Um, but we'll just we'll just move on from that. Denver then starts at their 15 after the punt. Suddenly, the Broncos discovered how to run the ball. With the Colts' defense gassed, Denver gains 40 yards on four consecutive runs. A couple plays later, the Colts start using timeouts as clock is becoming a factor with about three minutes to go. Third and eight at Indy's 35. Wilson connects with Cortland Sutton for seven yards. Denver goes for it on fourth and one, and Wilson finds his tight end for nine yards over the middle. First down at the 19. The Colts' defense holds Denver to a short gain to set up 
third and four. Wilson's pass for Judy is then intercepted in the end zone by Stephon Gilmore. The Colts get the ball back, down three. Mike, the defense was terrific all game, and they gave the offense every opportunity to come back and win this game. Yeah, I'm guessing that the Denver media is really questioning play calling by Denver, by Hackett, and execution by Wilson. It, it's, what, 9-6, to six and you're – Easy field goal range to make it, I want to say a two-possession game, but a two-field goal game. And you've got to feel that, man, if if we if they can make it 12-6, to six, the Colts may not come back from that. But even if, if you're not going to be overly aggressive and go to the end, you know, end zone, take something underneath it and keep the drive going. But uh, just a great play by Gilmore. It's what you got him for. You know, it's like Frank said, you know, big-time players make big-time plays when it matters. And it was huge. That was just they – they could have sealed the game, in my mind, either with a field goal or, and certainly with a touchdown. Yeah, Gilmore uh, earned every penny of his contract in this game. He was terrific. Colts still down just three. Two minutes and 13 seconds to go. No timeouts. Drive starts at the 20. Ryan trying to get something going. He's hit as he throws. The ball flutters right to a Bronco, but somehow Alec Pierce rips it away from his grasp. It's 11-yard gain. Still wondering how Pierce came away with that catch. We hit the two-minute warning. Next fl- next play, Denver brings a blitz, and Bradley Chubb ends up being blocked by Kylan Granson and Deion Jackson. And as you could have guessed, that did not turn out well for the Colts. Chubb gets to Ryan as he throws, and You guessed again, Ryan fumbles the ball. This time, Ryan is able to dive back onto it. Clock is still ticking, and it's a six-yard loss. Next play, defender in Ryan's face as he throws. Ball flutters to a wide-open Pierce 17-yard gain. Ryan then finds Campbell for 10 yards. Timeout Denver, injured player. After a couple short gains, the Colts run Jackson up the middle for 17. Hurry to the line. Ryan then... Dumps the ball off to Jackson, who breaks a couple tackles for nine yards. Ryan spikes the ball to stop the clock. With 13 seconds left, Colts are at the Denver 8. But a delay of game penalty after the spike backs him up five yards. Ryan thought the play clock should have been reset as Denver was dealing with another injured player. The refs disagreed. It's now third down. Uh, The Colts have one last chance to go for a game winner in the end zone. Nothing doing. Matt Ryan's pass falls incomplete. McLaughlin up to send the game to overtime for 31 yards out. And it's good. The game that just wouldn't die. We have an extra quarter in mile high. Colts win the all-important coin toss, and they have a chance to win the game right now with a touchdown. 16-yard catch and run by Granson gets things moving. Then Jackson up the middle for nine. They toss it out to Campbell, who makes a man miss and picks up 12 more. Ball at Denver's 37. A couple plays later, Matt Ryan can't find anyone open on third and four. He scrambles up the middle for a one-yard gain. It's fourth and three for them from the 30, and the Colts turn to McLaughlin once again. This one from 48 yards out to give the Colts a first lead of the game, and he splits the uprights for a fourth time. Colts on top, 12-9. to nine. That Indianapolis defense needs one more stop to win the game. But a screen pass to Melvin Gordon gains 24 yards. 
Then a play-action pass to wide-open Jerry Judy picks up 37 more. And with two plays, Denver has reached the Colts' 14. First down, Colts hold Gordon to three yards. Second down, Gordon has a hole up the middle but is upended by Rodney McLeod. It's now third and two. Colts stuff Gordon on third down for a one-yard gain. We have fourth and one with two minutes and 38 seconds left in overtime. Do the Broncos kick a field goal and play for the tie or go for it? They go for it and go for the win. Wilson in the shotgun. He's going to Sutton all the way, forces the ball to him in the middle of the field, and it's knocked away by Stephon Gilmore. Colts win the game. Final score, 12-9. to After the game, Gilmore said Wilson kept testing him, so he had to make him pay. Great game by the veteran corner. Great game by the defense. Great game by Chase McLaughlin. Uh, Bad game for the offense. Per NFL stats and info, Colts became the second team in the Super Bowl era to win a game where they scored zero touchdowns through multiple interceptions and were sacked at least six times. Mike, you noted on Twitter that this is the 12th time the Colts have won without a touchdown. Last time was 06, the divisional round um, against the Baltimore Ravens. The Colts now reach 500 with a 2-2-1 and record. Never mind that they've scored just 69 points and have allowed 94 through five games. Mike, uh, I think I could guess, but who's your MVP of this game? You know, I would almost want to split it between... McLaughlin, Gilmore, and Buckner. Buckner had a great game. Eight tackles, two sacks, batted the ball down, forced a fumble. And after the game, Reich mentioned, you know, it was mentioned how, he, how Buck's playing with that apparatus on his left elbow. He said it's a significant injury, but it's one that the, with the brace he can play with. And, you know, we've been waiting for the defense. You know, somebody make a play. Against Kansas City, it was Gilmore tipping the ball that McLeod intercepted, and and this one it's Gilmore twice in the end zone, and when your when your offense isn't working, the kicker has to kick, so has to, has to kick successfully. We've had, we've had kickers kick not so well, so I, I I'd, I'd kind of stretch it to three people, and feel good about that. That's a bit of a cop out, but I'll give it to you. Uh, if I Certainly. had to, <laughs> if I had to pick one player, I. I you know, Gilmore's right up there. Buckner had a great game, but I got to give it to McLaughlin. He's the guy who scored all the points, 4-4 four, four, four on the field goals. Um, they were all high-pressure situations or from 50-plus, um, especially when the kicker position is one where confidence has been lacking with this team for several years now. Uh, McLaughlin really stepped up. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, he did get the game ball, Correct. That's what that's what Frank's mentioned in his post game. They may have given out more than one, but uh, McLaughlin certainly got a game ball. McLaughlin was terrific. Before we get to takeaways here, let's talk about injuries. Um, of course, Hines with the concussion, we'll have to see. Um, you know how, how long that keeps him out. It's encouraging that he seemed to be feeling all right during halftime. Um, he has ten days to rest up. Uh, Ryan Kelly with the hip, and then Quiddy Pay. With the ankle, he was carted off. Um, Mike, were there any other injuries that I missed? Slash, do we have any updates on Kelly and Pay? Ashton Doolin uh, left the game late with a foot injury. Uh, the only update on on Quiddy Pay, and normally when you see a guy carted off, 
you're thinking season ending whatever. You know, again, an Achilles kind of popped in my mind too. I talked to text with someone at the complex and uh, they don't think it's season ending. Uh, it's, it's an ankle. I, I know that uh, Ian Rappaport, I think, put out there that it's a high ankle sprain, which, you know, three, four, five weeks it can be. Uh, I guess that wouldn't uh, rule out IR, which is four games. It gives him a chance to really rest. Uh, and again, Naheem Hines, he will benefit from the extra time. And, you know, there's, I, I see a decent chance he plays next game against Jacksonville. The, the, these head injuries, it's there's they're like snowflakes, you know, n- no two are alike, and uh, guys react differently. This is the Colts. Is it the fourth or fifth concussion this year already? I mean, yeah. Pierce and Tyquan Lewis and Shaq and maybe four. So we'll see. And it really struck me how how Frank was talking about Hines. You know, apologize and he wanted to play, and the Colts said, "No, you're not going to play." So that that was never going to happen. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount Hines playing against the Jaguars. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, personally, if it was up to me, anyone who got a concussion should automatically be be ruled out the next game. Um, that's obviously not how the NFL works. We'll see if Hines is able to get back on the field, and the Colts might need him because. There's no guarantee Jonathan Taylor is going to be back for the next game. I know it kind of made it sound like he might play this week, but ankle injury, I mean, you don't know. You were about to say something, Mike? Yeah, Zach Kiefer, the athletic, he, he just asked Frank quickly after the game last night, and, and they sort of expect JT to play next game. I don't know how close he was to playing against Denver. I mean, he, he was in a boot on Tuesday, and they ruled him out you know, early, So, but – you know, again, given time to rest, and what you have to understand though is it's a running back, you know, and and he makes his living with his legs. So we'll see, but uh, I wouldn't rule out either Hines or JT for the next game. Yeah, I, I suppose regardless, it was encouraging seeing Deion Jackson play actually pretty well. Uh, Lindsey had some nice plays out there too. Any update on Kelly? No. He uh, went to the locker room early, and then he was on the sideline over the second half. So no, we don't we don't know and won't know until next week. And the only the only bright spot about that is once again Danny Pinner came in and played pretty well. It, it appears he's a much better center than he is a guard. And uh, you know if Kelly's not a hundred percent, they uh, they stick with Pinner. Remember last year when Kelly was out, Pinner played well. Uh, in the starting lineup. So that that's a position I'm not too concerned about on the offensive line. Yeah, Pinner seems to be a center only out there. But with Kelly uh, facing injuries, it's it's good to see that he at least held up well from that position. All right, let's move on to takeaways now. Um, we'll start positive here. The Colts' defense was tremendous. Season high, four sacks, two by Buckner, one and a half by Ngakwe, the big money guys getting it done, and then a half sack by Dio Odangbo, the second-year, second-round pick as well. The Colts might need him, uh, especially if Quiddy Pay is going to miss extended time. Two interceptions doubled their interception total on the year. Both came with Denver in scoring territory. They also forced Russell Wilson's first fumble of the season, although uh, Wilson was able to get the ball back. 
Currently, the Colts are allowing just 18.8 points per game. Mike, this defense is going to keep the Colts in a lot of games this year. Yeah, now they've had their moments where they've not played well. You know, they, they, they contributed to that 24-3 Tennessee lead and, you know, the, the 24 to nothing against Jacksonville where Trevor Lawrence did whatever he wanted. But in the other games, they've played well. They, they, they've, they've kept things winnable. And, and, and this is with an offense that continues to put them in bad spots. But they're strong against the run. And I thought the, the rushing numbers were a bit skewed by Denver because they had those late, those four plays for 40 yards. I mean, they all count. But by and large, they've played well. And you've got to be encouraged by this defense. Absolutely. Another takeaway here. The Colts may have found their kicker. Again, McLaughlin, 4 for 4, 52 yards, 51 yards, 31-yarder to send it to overtime, and a 48-yarder in overtime to give the Colts the lead in the eventual win. Mike, if he keeps playing like this, they're going to have to give this man a contract after the season. Yeah, they they will. And keep in mind, what's funny is he's a good story because he's a local guy. Remember after the Colts let him go a couple years ago, he and his wife, they now live in the Westfield area. So I, I, he, he's doing what he needs to do. I need to – kicker – I guess I've gotten soured. Kicker sort of – they're a finicky bunch where they, they, they do stuff for you and then they just kick you in your, the rear end when you need, really need one. But this is – again, he, he, he's kind of pulled them out of this, and that's what you've got to have. You hope – that this is a season-long success. The only thing that I keep coming back to is how poor he has been in his career from 40 to 49. And those are generally the field goals you, you, you make to, you know during the course of a game. But wins, do you think that if, if Hot Rod had been here, they, they knocked down a 48, a 51, a 52, even in Denver? Probably not. No. No, I don't. I don't mean to trap, you know, pile on hot rod, but I, I don't think that win that game if he's the kicker, not McLaughlin. It, it's I get in the past his inconsistency from the '40s is concerning, and that's what he's going to have to prove this year if he is going to get another contract. Um, but just having a kicker that you know has the ability to nail kicks from 50 plus, and I mean, according to the broadcast, you know, it has the cool little thing like would have been good from whatever distance several of his kicks would have been good from 60 plus um i get it's different when you actually are kicking from 60 plus but he's got plenty of leg he had the range they were all right down the middle he needs to keep this up for sure i mean kickers can be streaky i uh, don't mean to jinx him here but um, definitely encouraging seeing this kind of production from the kicker position a position that has kind of haunted the colts in recent years um Next takeaway here, final positive before we get into some uh, some ugly stuff. Alec Pierce looks legit, man. He led the team with eight catches on nine targets for 81 yards, made several high-difficulty catches, and it's his second straight game with 80-plus receiving yards. Pierce is becoming a reliable weapon opposite Michael Pittman Jr., and that's going to be huge for this passing game. Yeah, because we saw teams are still going to try to take away Pittman as much as they can. I think Pitt had one catch in the second half after the after halftime, but boy, on that on that drive at the end of the at the end of the game, I think Pierce had three catches. Was it like eleven, seventeen, and five or whatever? 
And we all kind of wondered how much of an impact a rookie would have right away. We sort of downplayed his impact, but he's been he's excelled and exceeded what we expected. This after, remember the, the big drop in Houston, the touchdown. Big drop in uh, Houston, uh, concussion kept him out week two. Right, and- right. So, so I think it's amazing. And I tell you, you talk to this kid, and he's the quietest, most low-key guy at that at that position because that that's sort of a a diva position sort of got to have but, a lot of uh, confidence right and, and it, it's 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 easy to see that Matt Ryan has immediate confidence in the rookie yeah and, and as you mentioned with so much attention going to Pittman uh usually taking the other team's best cornerbacks uh, saw a lot of Patrick Sertain this week um and gets bracketed a lot that's what happened against Tennessee they put the safety over on Pittman's side of the field, so other people are going to have uh, one-on-one opportunities and need to take advantage, and Pierce has been that guy so far. All right, Mac, let's uh, let's get down in the dirt here. This offensive line has been a nightmare. The experiment with the reshuffled line failed mightily last night. Ryman clearly wasn't ready, penalized three times for holding, plus a false start. I saw a graphic during the broadcast that, uh, this is the most an offensive line has been lineman has been penalized in one game this whole season. Um, it, he he also had a hard time just blocking the man in front of him, whether it was pass protection or run blocking. Now Kelly is hurt, forces Pinner back into action. They allowed six sacks. That's twenty one on the season through five games which is an average of more than four sacks per game. Ryan was hit 12 times last night. Mike, he won't make it through the season at this rate. What can be done? That's a good question, and the Colts don't know either or they would do it. Uh, like I say, the, the fact that they that they made such a dramatic change on a short week with one walkthrough tells you that they know it's broken and they're trying to fix it on the fly. I don't know. The only again, like I mentioned earlier, the only other thing you can do is to put Smith back at right tackle and let Pryor work inside. Right now, Matt Pryor is a liability, wherever whichever side he plays on. And I don't know if they have a lot of options. I don't know how they feel about Dennis Kelly. He would be the next option uh, at, at, at one of the tackles, left. I don't know left tackle or not. But he's only played sparingly on special teams. So I just don't know. We said in the last couple of weeks on our podcast that when you go into the season in September, by and large, this is your team. You know, it's not like the NFL stockpiles a bunch of good tackles and guards and when teams need them, they go there. No, this is, this is who you've got. And that's why you have – you carry nine or ten linemen, and you carry a couple, two or three more on the practice squad. But I don't know what they do because right now, when the coaching staff doesn't have confidence in the offensive line because they're, you know, you can keep in mind they they benched Pender last week for Will Fries. Uh, I don't know, and at some point, maybe we're already there. The quarterback doesn't have faith trust, whatever you want to call it, in the offensive line. And when that happens, you're in trouble. Because then even even when he does have a, a semi-clean pocket, he's, he's expecting pressure. 
I don't know how you fix it, and, and they better get it fixed in a hurry because, as we've said, Jacksonville, as good as Denver's pass rush was, Jacksonville's is better. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's looking rough out that p- Pryor looked worse at right tackle than he did left tackle. I thought he was actually decent at last ta- left tackle the last couple of games. I mean, it, 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 Ryan Kelly, there was no difference in Ryan Kelly being on the field or not. Uh, I think he's having a tough season. Um, we'll, hopefully he comes back from injury and is all right. But it, it's hard to figure out an answer. You know who is still out there, Mike? Eric, Eric Fisher. Fisher. That's right. And I know I know we came away from last year talking about how Fisher wasn't great, uh, at least in pass protection. But, boy, he was good run blocking. Second year removed from the Achilles. Knows the offense. Um, still a free agent out there. So we'll see how desperate. I mean, I, they've got to be pretty darn desperate at this point that the idea of bringing back Eric Fisher is not the craziest thing in the world. Well, and for a team that, that- – Talks about accountability. Again, they cut their kicker for the miss in Houston. And how long can you stick with Matt Pryor? I don't know. It's obvious they don't don't like their option. There are other options. But you can't – I give them credit for trying to fix it by dramatic measures. But, again, I I just don't know what they do because I don't know – I don't think they have good options – in the building at a certain point i mean when does this the offensive line coach chris strasser has got to be feeling some heat i mean this is a team with you know all pro left guard a pro bowl center and then a right tackle that you were paying 70 million plus i think an average of about 18 million per year and they're not playing up to uh you know the the level that we thought these guys were playing at like i get we, there's questions with Pryor and pre- questions with Pinter. Obviously, a rookie third-round pick in Ryman. It was hard to assume he would be ready right away. But when the whole offensive line is playing poorly, not just your weak spots, but the guys who you're paying a lot of money are losing one-on-one battles as well. Uh, it, it, at some point, it gotta, it's got to turn back to the coach not getting his guys ready, not getting his guys on the same page, something of that nature. And again, when you talk about accountability, that that's again, that's part of that. You know, ha- had they lost nine to six or twelve to nine, may, would they maybe have made a move at, at position coach? I don't know, but uh, you know, there's not a lot of people on that team that should feel real good about where they are. Yeah, two, two, and one. And Frank said, you know, once again, and he's right. They're right there. They're like a half a game out. However, you want to figure it with the tie, they're like a half a game out of first. But it's not just they're on pace for like 71 sacks, which will be a team record. The most they've given up, I think it's 56, whatever it is in a season. Remember when Jacoby Brissett got sacked 52 times that one year? So you, you just can't you just can't continue to put your quarterback. There was one play late, was it in the fourth quarter, where where the pressure came in and and Ryan hit his hand on, on a defender. And he's shaking his right wrist. Well, that, that's how you know that, that's what happened to Dak Prescott. Where he was it ligaments, and he had to have surgery, and he's missed a handful of games. So there's just too much can happen in a, in a busy pocket when the quarterback really does. He can move around okay when you got some place to move, but he's seldom gonna 
get out of there and pick up a first down with his feet. They've got to get it fixed. I just don't know at this point how you do it. Yeah, it's just baffling to me that they went through the entire offseason, all summer, training camp, preseason with this offensive line. Felt good about it, not to make any really significant additions whatsoever. And then we get to the regular season, and it's clearly the this has been the worst offensive line in football. Like, I dare anyone to show me an offensive line that has performed worse. And oh, by the way, they're being paid the most amount of money as a unit than any offensive line in the NFL. Uh, last takeaway here, you know, the offensive line has been atrocious. Matt Ryan has had his individual issues of his own. Through two interceptions, one killed a drive in scoring territory. The other gave Denver a short field and resulted in a field goal. He also had two more fumbles. The Colts were lucky to recover both. That's seven interceptions on the year, 11 fumbles, three of them lost. And Matt Ryan has a 79.8 passer rating. That's the lowest of his career. He does have five touchdown passes, a 65% completion rate, and is averaging 275 passing yards per game. But that has not been enough to account for the turnovers, which really are just killers. Um, I will give Ryan credit last night. He had his 44th career fourth quarter slash overtime comeback. That's the sixth most in NFL history. And on those final two drives, the fourth quarter drive to send it to overtime and the drive in overtime to take the lead, Ryan was 9 of 11 for 85 yards. Uh, but between turnovers and offensive line play, this offense has struggled. 69 points are the club's fewest in the first five games since 1998, Peyton Manning's rookie year, when they scored just 57 through the first five games. They failed to surpass 20 points in seven consecutive games going back to the end of last season. Mike, can Ryan, do you think... He'll, he'll find a way to take better care of the football, or is this just what we should expect for him for the rest of the year? Well, I want to say he's going to find out a way to take better care of the ball, but it's five se- or it's five games. And at some point, this is who you are. Uh, in, in the, you know, he had the early sacks or the early fumbles against uh, Houston on, on center exchanges, shotgun and, and under center. But now, now he's, he's losing the ball on – on sacks, and you just, you just don't. You look across the league, and I know Trevor Lawrence had a bad game last week with four fumbles, four lost fumbles. But you don't normally see quarterbacks just littering the field with fumbles. So he, he just. I guess maybe he's going to have to learn quickly that plays might be over sooner than what he wants. But he can't keep on this pace of turnovers because again, all that does is compound matters for this offense and putting too much pressure on the defense. And it's kind of what we talk about. You know, we talk about how a left tackle, they could be great for, you know, 60 plays, but if on two of them they give up a sack, that that could end the game. That's kind of, in my opinion, what Ryan has been for a lot of this. I thought overall, considering how poor the offensive line played, Matt Ryan played a really good game, except for those two bonehead interceptions. Um, Of course, fumbling the ball when he takes a hit isn't great either, but it seemed like the majority of the game, I thought Matt Ryan played as well as you really can with that kind of protection, but then just those instances where he turns the ball over just completely negate so many things that he does well. And when everything else is going bad, and a lot of things, almost everything is going bad on offense, you know, they're not running the ball well. They they, they ran the ball better last night 
But whenever things are going bad on on offense, it just magnifies how poor the quarterback's playing when he plays bad. And it's one thing to give up a sack, but then, you know, they're they're losing like 10 yards. They had six sacks and they lost 51 yards. You know, not like, you know, 18 yards, but they're they're losing major chunks of yardage. And and Frank Reich talked again today about negative plays. And that's sacks, it's fumbles, it's it's penalties, it's all of this stuff. And the quarterback can't compound that by being careless with the football. And right now he's being careless with the football. Yeah, one thing that I will say I noticed, towards the end of the game, I saw a lot more Matt Ryan throwaways than I kind of had in the first half of the game and through much of the beginning of this season, really. It seems – and that's something that Matt Ryan just has to do. He has to realize, okay, I'm not going to get four seconds to throw the ball. I got two and a half seconds, and if not, I need to know where I can throw the ball away and just throw it at somebody's feet, throw it out of bounds – it's these sacks are losing so many yards because he's keeps trying to spin out of the pocket, make something happen when that's really not his strong suit. Um, and hopefully he can just learn to, you know what? It's not here. I'm not going to juke three defenders and, you know, run through a sack on this play. I'm probably just going to fumble. So let me just throw the ball away. That's something I noticed more towards the end of last night's game, and that's something I hope Matt Ryan incorporates more moving forward. Mike, before we get to the AFC South, any anything else you want to t- talk about from this game? No, again, the, and fans don't want to hear it, but like Jim Ursay talked after the game, there are no ugly wins, and he sort—I mean, they—they they are ugly, but you, you take them. It, it, it is a, a a tough league to win in, and Frank Reich was asked about the offense's issues and 45 minutes of bad ball. And, and, and the question was very valid. And after the game, he just didn't want to hear about it. He didn't want to talk about it. He sort of said, you know, we need to get better, but we're going to enjoy this while we can. But they've got to get this offensive line fixed. We're going to be talking about this for the next month. And hopefully for Matt Ryan's sake and the franchise's sake, they'll find a way to at least be competitive on the offensive line. Yeah, I – um you know, it was such an ugly game last night that it it's weird. So there's been two games that the Colts didn't lose, but they pretty much felt like losses. And that was the tie with Houston. And then this game where they didn't play well enough to win, or at least on offense, but they still came away with the W. Um, it, it keeps them relevant in this season. I know I was texting with some of my buddies, all of us Colts fans, and a lot of people were like, you know what, let, let's start the tank. Let's lose this game. Let's start the tank. Let's get a quarterback in the draft next year. Uh, this team, that's the farthest thing from this team's mind right now. They're trying to grit out and grind out games. And I tell you, if they, it's a big if. It's a huge if. But if they can find some way to block some people, this team can do something. I mean, they, get, they have a second weapon now, and Pierce – we know Pittman's good. We know what Taylor can do. The defense looks terrific. McLaughlin's knocking down kicks. Major if, because they haven't showed anything to suggest that this offensive line can be decent this year. But if somehow they can just bring that to somewhere near average level, even slightly below average would be a major improvement. This team um, m- might be able to pull off some more consistent wins. All right. Let's check in on the v- division race now in the AFC South. Colts currently in third place, 
two, two, and one. The Titans and Jaguars are above them with two and two records, and the Colts will play both of those teams over the next two weeks, so they really have a chance to take this division. It's right there for them. Texans still looking for their first win, and they'll have a chance to get their first win this Sunday against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence and Brian Robinson and Travis Etienne and every, that, was that pass rush there, you know. So we got Houston and Jacksonville, and then we have the Titans visiting the Commanders, who have lost three straight. So uh, Colts Nation will be rooting for the Texans. They'll be rooting for Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders to give the Jaguars and Titans a loss here so that the Colts can move on up in that division. Uh, Mike, you know, we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks as we preview these games, but huge opportunities for the Colts to really take the lead in this division playing the Jaguars next week and the Titans the week after. All you have to do is tighten it up and win. I mean, it's, you know, like Ryan said after the game, we just need wins. And as bad as they've played, you've got, Jack, like you said, you got Jacksonville at home next Sunday, a week from Sunday, and then you're in Tennessee. And, and then all's right with the world if you can find a way to get wins in those games. That's right. So um, enjoy the win, Colts Nation, because don't know how many we're going to get this year. The Colts now have 10 days to rest up, try and get a little healthier, and gear up for Jacksonville. We will be back next week to preview that game. Dave Griffiths will join us for that one. That'll be on Thursday, so make sure to check us out then. Um, Please subscribe and download for us. Follow us on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow Mike individually on Twitter at mchapel51. You can follow me at Roto Street Joe. And this has been the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend.